because I think you get put into a grad role and you see this grad role, you're like, oh, fantastic. I've got this, I've got this, um, I've got a position. Now I can relax and just go back to my study. Yeah. But really you should always be thinking, oh, is there, have I made the right choice? Mm. Is there something more? Is exactly. there something different? And yeah. think it through, like just make sure that you can wake up the next day and your gut feels right saying, yep, I made the right choice. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode with the Pretend Engineers. Got a pretty exciting episode this week. Whilst I was slacking off over in Europe on beautiful holidays, Ryan, time. Ryan kept to the hustle and kept grinding away, making sure we had another episode for you guys to listen to. Yeah, with uh, Robert Hoffman, a good friend of yours, mate. Yeah, it was re- it was really good fun, man. So uh, I caught up. Actually, it was like a double double podcast Thursdays, double yeah. Thursdays, mate. It was actually really good fun. So. Um, Rob Hoffman, uh, Trang Fam, and I, we, uh, Rob took us up to KPMG. Yep. Uh, on Eagle Street there in Brisbane. And, um, yeah, man, we just, I, I did each an interview of, of each of them, and we sort of talked uh, all about Rob's journey and his decisions and sort of like key aspects of, you know, his personality and his drive and stuff and how they've shaped his career. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the way you guys are connected as well really showed through his career. His, all these connections that he has and all that you really talked about yeah. and how important it is to have a mentor and to be networked and have those connections to bounce between different positions in your career. And I think the biggest takeaway, similar to, similar to myself, but the biggest takeaway and the connection that obviously Trang, Rob and I have um, is all being part of Young Engineers Queensland, yep. Young Engineers Australia Queensland. Yep. And, um, and actually both of Rob's jobs came directly Directly from his networking. Yeah. So uh, he had actually been part of YEAQ um, while he was actually an undergrad still. Yeah. And um, through a lot of networking opportunities, that allowed him to get a job at GHD, which was great. Um, And as he, as you'll hear through the podcast, he sort of didn't really find a home at GHD and all the different teams and different areas. And so, um, yeah, through another another mentor, he, uh, yeah, he was recommended to, to get into the now new and expanding team at KPMG. Mm. I think for myself, like, I've never been some to, someone to join up to committees and things like that. And I've always gone, nah, I don't have the time and I don't want to put in the it's effort. Not for me. And yeah, 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 exactly. And after listening to uh, your story, Rob's story, now Chang's story, with all these connections that you build up, literally just by... And it's not the forced kind of networking that everyone's thinking about. It's genuinely guys going out for a few beers, talking about engineering projects and all sorts of things that are going on in the community. And from the events that you've invited me to, Ryan, so far, I think I've only been to one or two, but I've really seen the value in this. And I mean, you three guys are an absolute testament to the connections that you build through these kinds of events. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's similar to, I suppose, the the, uh, vision that we have for the podcast and stuff as well is... Really just creating communities, creating networks uh, so people can either learn, you know, maybe have, you know, some sort of opportunity to understand what company they work for yep. and if you'd like to work at that company. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's a really good or thing. Or industry. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and where you want to work. And that's, I think, a lot about what we want to do and the, the sort of vision we have. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great podcast to really understand how important networks are yeah. and how important those communities are. And, and he's literally got his first two jobs in top tier firms, um, both you know, design consultancy and now sort of engineering, uh, client engineering side mm. of things, uh, both directly from his networks. Yeah, networking so, so and I mentoring. Think yeah. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from it. So Definitely. But um, yeah, without further ado, uh, check it out, Rob Hoffman. And uh, and as always, guys, um, hit us up on our socials, give us a rate, give us a comment, a like, and um, 
if there's something we haven't covered yet or you know if there's an idea or a person or a topic or a, or an industry or a specialization of engineering that you'd like us to cover um, just hit us up flink us an email um, and uh, and yeah we'll try and cover it as soon as we can so thanks very much and enjoy beautiful catch it And uh, we are live, so uh, g'day guys, uh, it's Ryan Lumens here from The Potentioneers, and I'm with uh, one Mr. Robert Hoffman. Hello, how's it going? Good mate, good, how are you? Thank good, you for, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming in this morning, here at uh, KPMG headquarters, 71 Eagle Street, so uh, thanks very much for having us. No, thank you for, thanks for the time, That's good, I always like talking, so yeah, another opportunity. Yeah, you and me, <laughs> perfect, so, um, so yeah, mate, if you could just give us a basic uh, intro, your name, number, uh, you know, everything about you, so uh, give everyone else an idea. Yeah, so like Ryan said, I'm um, Rob Hoffman, um, I studied civil and geotech engineering at UQ and graduated at the end of 2015, so I now work as a consultant at KPMG in the engineering and asset management advisory team. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And um, I'll, I'll go back to your career and your current career a little bit, but um, uh, I know that you and I uh, and Trang, um, we're, we're big advocates of uh, networking, uh, sharing information, sharing connections and stuff like that through our committee work. Um, did you do any of that sort of stuff in university? Do you, were you part of committees and stuff? I know you are now actually in the alumni stuff, but could you explain that to me? Yeah, so I guess when I was going through uni, I, I, think, I think the first reason you join a committee is one, you don't want to study all the time. So you're like, oh, where's an outlet? I can do something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I looked at, I sort of went down two avenues, one being young engineers. So I joined as an observer I think in my third or fourth year of uni and sort of... Oh, really? It was sat- YAQ? Yeah. Okay, so I've been... I'm a bit of a vintage... Uh, yeah. A vintage wine. Vintage wine. You've been there for a little bit too long. <laughs> um, and in parallel, I, I uh, went down the Engineers Without Borders path as well. I, yeah. I guess when... I don't know, we hear all these stories about doctors doing great things and volunteering overseas or Red R doing awesome things. Yeah, so, I love Red R, yeah. So I guess EWB was an opportunity to actually try to give back with the uh, little skills I had with two years of engineering experience, which yeah, was predominantly yeah. through running fundraising yeah. fundraising um, events and things like that. So, yeah, I started at committees quite young and I guess in, early in my university career and sort of realised that it was a good place to build your, I guess, your networking skills and your skills in terms of presentations and presenting to large groups of people. But also I think the people you meet on committees are... A lot more driven as mm, well. You mm. don't you don't meet the you don't meet these sort of people when you go to uni, mm. study. You just you just don't meet them. You meet you meet just people who are driven, want to do great things, and yeah, I think that's why I joined so early. Yeah, yeah, and I think with YEAQ as well, I think we have a great bunch of people, and it's a similar thing. And FutureNet and other committees like that is that you mm. just find a lot of really like-minded people that are driven. They like to do engineering, or they like to have their career, but they like to actually get into different avenues as well. So. Yeah. So that's really cool. And, and uh, in terms of the committees and maybe extracurricular things you did through university, how do you think that helped you now transitioning into your GHD career? How did that, you know, how did that sort of phase of your life happen? And yeah. how, did you apply for a normal graduate role and those sort of things? Can you comment on that? Yeah, I think, it, I think if, you, if you get involved early, um, whether it's in a committee or something else, it, it gives you an early step in meeting the people who potentially might employ you or you might be working with in your future career. So I think I think it makes you feel a lot more comfortable. So an example I, I have was 
when I was doing Engineers Without Borders, every year EWB hosted a, um, a networking night with um, like potential future graduates and employers. And every time I'd meet Joseph Van Boven, who's one of the recruiters at GHD, and I ended up meeting him about, I'd meet him every, every single EWB event. And I go chat to him and we build a bit of a friendship. And in the end, he's like, oh, why don't you just apply for GHD? I was like, oh, I didn't even consider applying for GHD, but... Really? I I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just one of the, I guess... Who did you consider? Who did you apply for? Yeah, I, I honestly thought I wouldn't have the, the GPA and the, I guess, the skill set to fit into one of the, like, the big-tier design firms. Yeah. Um, I think that's a bit of a misconception people have in uni. Like, it, these these employers, they they seem like this really far reach in terms of it just seems impossible to work with some of the big guys who have like the big thousands buildings. of applicants yeah. and yeah 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 exactly and it's just about I think that that's one thing I learned was never discount yourself always always apply for every role um, never think you're not good enough to do something because uh, that was the biggest yeah one of the biggest regrets I had I, I did discount some companies because I thought I didn't have the capability to actually yeah. join them yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. And and I can definitely resonate that with that because my GPA was was pretty poor until I um until I did my my thesis program and and really did well on that, which picked it up a bit. But um you know not being one of the top students in my class, I can I can definitely understand that and and that belief like oh you know massive company they get thousands of applications you know how am I going to stick out mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So a bit of insecurity I suppose. Yeah, and exactly. So, uh, a good idea too. So did you actually apply as a normal graduate position or did you get a referral or? Yeah, I applied as a normal graduate position. Um, I guess it was somewhat. Uh, pushed through slightly quicker there wasn't as many hurdles i would mm. say just because, because, because your connections okay. yeah so that's really important for people to know you'll you still would have to go through the i guess the the milestones and the set the set milestones they have um in the recruiting process but yeah it was it was a lot easier than just applying online and filling out the form and doing all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and can we touch on that a little bit can you talk about um from your memory it's a couple of years ago but um from your memory how did that sort of uh, process go? And I know that at GHD we have the video interviews and all that. So can you elaborate on that and how you did and then how you did in maybe your face-to-face interview with, with Joseph and your, yeah. your SGM at the time? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think the video interview process is, in, in my opinion, is a process to, I guess, shock you and shock your system and say, gee, we don't expect this person to actually perform well in this video interview, but if they can hold it together... Um, answer with confidence any of the questions we give them then they're typically through the next stage mm. um i think there's I, I know video interviews are typically done at home you don't you don't usually do them outside of the home so i definitely still recommend uh dressing up in business attire for it yeah. i think that yeah even though no one can see below your waist um it still gives <laughs> you the confidence yeah <laughs> to and, actually... and, and, and the mindset to take it seriously exactly exactly um, in terms of the the face to face interview, I I think I think again there's this this misconception that you're gonna get all these technical questions and I think it, it does depend on the team you're joining. Um, but for me, I I think a, I think a way I know whether I want to join a company or not um, is when you get to that face to face interview, whether the people actually want to hear about what you do. Um, what your interests are, mm. not about who gee, you are really. Exactly, yeah. Not not oh, what's the I don't know, 
calculate the load on a bridge. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to really want to go into that detail. I feel like mm-hmm. the the first step in a face to face interview is actually making sure the cultural fit works. Because if if you don't culturally fit with a team, that might be in terms of getting along with them or sharing common interests or just I don't know being a bit different that they find you interesting. Mm. I don't think it's yeah. I think that's more important than the technical questions a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, okay, awesome. Awesome, man. And then moving on to, I suppose, then obviously you were successful at, with, the, with the interview oh. process at, oh, yeah, um, at, at GHD. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and this, can you talk a bit about um, GHD? Um, I know if people don't already know, it's um, one of the biggest uh, design consultancies in Australia. Um, which team are you in and can you talk about your roles and then your transitions through GHD? Yeah. So I, I started at GHD um, as a civil engineer in the mining infrastructure space. Um, so I, I joined there because I, I sort of knew from the start that I was never going to be a really technical person yeah. um, and thought, okay, this is probably the best middle ground where you can be a, sort of a project engineer style person where you, you do manage a design, but you don't necessarily do the design itself. Yeah. Um, you might do little bits of it to get the experience, but you don't go really deep into the, oh, what's the thickness of a pavement and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I started there and... I guess I, I started I started in a slightly weird way. My my SGM at the time was away for three months. Mm. It was two to three months. So Paul I was Greeny. Paul Greeny. Yeah. Yep. Absolute so I, top bloke. So I um I had a standard SGM called Simon Terry. Um he basically he now run he's the ops manager for GSD Advisory now. Yeah, interesting. Um and because he was I guess my acting SGM and we just we just built this really good relationship and I still I still catch up with him monthly mm. now. But um so then once he left, my um, proper SGM came back and yeah, every, everything was really good. I was really enjoying the mining group and I guess I kept getting this feedback from people that, gee, you have to do more technical work. You really need to do more technical work. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, okay, okay, I should, I should consider that. And Especially, I, in, I think, early in your career. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, exactly. So then I made the decision to pursue more technical work. So I started to do... I went on a secondment to Newcastle um, and went oh. down there for three months. Cool. And that was an internal secondment in GHD. So mm. joined the Newcastle Roads team. Yep. And they were one of the best bunch of people I've ever met. Just awesome. such an awesome team. Yeah. Um, we'd always have schnitzel Fridays at this place, this Italian place. They did like schnitzels with um, bolognese and different things on top of them. It was Unreal. just the best carb load ever. Um, <laughs> and they were awesome. And I was really enjoying the roads work I did down there. So then when I came back to Brisbane, I thought, oh, gee, maybe I should try the transport group because mm. it's slightly more technical mm. and I enjoyed my time at Newcastle, so mm. yeah, why not? Can you, can you just, sorry to interrupt, can you just quickly explain a couple of tasks or roles you had in the roads team in Newcastle? Like yeah. physically, you know, what did you do every day? Yeah, so it was, it did range a lot because I basically I was down in Newcastle to fill any gaps they had. So mm. they were about a resource short and they said, okay, can you come down? There's three project managers, um, whichever one needs you most on the day, you'll do stuff for them. And I was like, oh, sweet, sounds exciting. So ended up um, ended up doing a lot of, I guess, pavement drainage design, a lot of, I guess, road alignment checks. Um, yep. Oh, gee, it, rang, it ranged to a lot of things, like layouts for um, tram stations, because they, they were installing the new um, light, rail. light rail down in Newcastle at the time. Cool. And, yeah, it was, it, it was really broad. But it, it sort of touched on, I guess, road rail and 
not just the civil engineering discipline. Mm. And did you use like AutoCAD for a lot of that work? Yeah. Was that all AutoCAD? So that was, I guess that was the first time I actually used AutoCAD when I moved down there. And yeah. then they started training me in 12D and I thought, oh wow, so this is all these tools I can use now. Yeah. Um, so I got those skills and then came back yeah. and um, decided to move to the transport team. Um, I think the... How did you go about that? How did you, how did you actually yeah. make that transition? Did you... You know, how'd that go? Yeah, so I first raised it with my service group manager. Um, so he he he's always, he was supportive of me trying something different. Um, I guess the structure at GHD is it's you are in service groups, so it is hard sometimes to let people move to a different service group. So he was like, okay, let's try. You can try roles in different teams, and you know, go out, go for a few months, work there, but come back, go there come back and it was becoming a bit difficult like I didn't really belong anywhere because yeah. I was doing little stints like I did the inland rail tender mm. while I was still in the mining team then I went on Croydicara while I was still in the mining team mm. and I didn't really <clears throat> I guess I didn't really build a I never felt like I was properly in a team because I was yeah. always jumping around so I thought okay and it's hard for also seniors to train juniors and to invest time into them if they know it's a, a, a temporary thing exactly exactly so I know that conundrum between okay yeah, this guy's going to be here for a little bit so we can give him some good experience. Yeah. But then how much experience can you give him if you're going to teach him and teach him and teach him, sacrifice time and money, and yeah. then he's off in three or four months anyway? Exactly. So I understand both sides, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's when I made a decision. I want to move to the transport group. Um, so I spoke to the transport service group manager just to make sure that they had capacity to take me. Yeah. Um, and that was all good, so it was fine to move. Um but the process itself takes quite a while. Like it ended up being about two months really? transition because it's that's there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of agreements between service group managers to shift me, um, a lot of agreements to make sure there's enough work and yeah. make sure you finish off any work you've done previously. And it, yeah, it was really stressful. Like really, really stressful on on a personal level. I think I've really yeah. I think interesting. It it definitely um, yeah. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done to date. Yeah. Um, Do you regret it? No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. I okay, think, great. yeah, I think there's a, I think it takes a lot to get yourself out of a rut. Um, Especially but, in such an early stage of your career to yeah. really not maybe be a hundred percent confident, but to just say, okay, Hey, this is not quite what I want to do. Yeah. And instead of like a lot of younger, newer people would be like, okay, I'll just cop it. Or I'll just do it for a bit. And then yeah. see where it takes me. You were like, nah, this is not what I want in my career. This yeah. is not what I want to do. I know I want to do something different. I know I want to be somewhere else. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Which takes a lot of balls, man. It takes yeah. a lot of lot of graft to be able to say, "Hey, this is my career. I'm going to be responsible for my career, yeah. and not just do what's best for everyone else, but just what's best for me." Yeah, agreed. And I, I think I think that's one thing. When I look back, one thing I maybe could have done differently is during uni they you do have a lot more time than you realize. Like you always do get wrapped up in your your design projects or whatever you're doing. But sometimes you can just take a bit of time out and actually do a bit more research, do a bit more networking on what different teams and organisations do, just to get a like get a grasp on what you're actually joining. Because um, I think you get put into a grad role, and you see this grad role, and you're like, oh, fantastic! I've got this, I've got this, um, I've got a position now. I can relax and just go back to my study. Yeah. But really, you should always be thinking, oh, is there? Have I made the right choice? Mm. Is there something more? Is exactly. there something different? And yeah. think it through. Like, just make sure that you can wake up the next day and your gut feels right saying, yeah, mm. I made the right choice. Yeah. So, yeah, transition to transport group. Um, and that was that was good. So I um, went there, 
I think it's a different experience joining a group from internally, not so by that I mean coming in as a graduate to a team, you get really embraced. Mm. Making an internal move to another team is a mm. bit harder. It takes yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. Because you're you're known as someone else and then you've got to rebuild the trust. Yeah, the rapport, yeah. Which which is yeah, pretty difficult. And if they're not crazy busy, yeah. I, I'm only assuming, but if you're not crazy busy, I, there could be a bit of tension. Like, oh, he's coming in and, you know, we've all got to share the food. We've all yeah. got to... And then, yeah, I mean, that might not have been the situation, yeah. but I can understand how that could happen. We were quite lucky. Um, we were busy at the time and I still... There was always... Like, the relationships I had from Newcastle always let on, so I could always call them up if I didn't have work and they'd feed me <coughs> some work. Fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I ended up doing about another year in transport, in transport group where... Yeah, got a broad range of experience across rail and road. Um, and again, I came to that end of the year, I was thinking, oh, no. So I'm now in this technical role. I don't like technical work that much. Like, I enjoy the the project management side and the, I guess you could say the business case level work side. The financial, the feasibility financial yeah, yeah, exactly. The high, higher level yeah, management. The, the place that, uh, I guess, makes the biggest difference. Like, I didn't love designing the thickness of the pavement. Um, I just felt like that didn't have a huge impact on the overall projects. You're really, when you get to that level of detail, mm. you're forced to do something based <clears> on all the decisions that were made and everything, yeah. above. So yeah, you get to a point you just can't change anything. You're just a can of coke, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so you just, machine, I should say. Exactly, exactly. So you just felt like you were part of a process. Yeah. Um, and then I saw, I was on a secondment to Department of State Development. So yeah, I've had some pretty amazing experiences. She definitely did let me run around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I was on this common department of state development, been there for, it was about eight months. So I think being on a comment, you do tend to sometimes lose a bit of a connection with the company. Yeah. Um, it's not the company's fault, but <coughs> it's definitely... Just the nature of the beast. Exactly, yeah. You, you get wrapped into this other organisation and you spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. How, and, long, how long were you at DSD? It was about eight months part-time. Um, I did about four months full-time. Yeah. So I was, during my time there, I saw, I just saw something come up on LinkedIn. Um, people who know me would know I'm quite an avid user of LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit too much, <laughs> as my girlfriend tells me. Um, as uh, Trang looks at uh, LinkedIn and sees I did a post this morning. Um, we had a great event last night, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. we'll cover that later um, on. So we, so I was on this comment and I saw this thing pop up on LinkedIn saying that KPMG was had just acquired a company called Relkin. I actually did read that um, as well, yeah. And I, that was also in the financial <coughs> review. So I happened to read this article in the financial review when I was on a project at CBB. I thought, oh, wow, KPMG and the big four moving into engineering. Oh, Interesting. Geez, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Then I saw something pop up on LinkedIn where a recruiter down in Melbourne had posted something about this mm. and someone had liked it and there was all this connection. So... I thought, oh, that's awesome. So I, was, I just sent him a message. I was like, oh, tell me more. And he called me straight away. He's like, oh, hey, hey man, how you doing? This is what we've got in Brisbane. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, this is where I'm like, oh. So this was through a recruiter. So I think, you know, this is a bit strange. So also just, sorry to just quickly interrupt. How many years cumulative had you had at GHD and in that more technical, like the whole total yeah. time until you got into this stage when you had now offered yourself yeah. to be recruited, I say, yeah. per se. Like, how so much time was that time? I did two years and three months. So I pretty much did the grad program yeah. and did the classic, finished the grad program. Do I want to continue on this path or do yeah. I want to do something else? Yeah, yeah. So I think 
that tends to be a pretty common trend. People finish a grad program <clears> and they <throat> feel like they've achieved something. Yeah. Like, oh. Time of reflection. Yeah, exactly. So I saw this recruiter on LinkedIn, reached out to him. He called me. I thought, yeah, sweet. This sounds good. But in parallel, um, one of my contacts I actually met through Young Engineers, a guy called Arthur Stematutis. Um, he works for Corview now. He used to be, um, he, used to, he was ex-KBMG um, and ex-Queensland Rail, where he's a major projects manager at Queensland Rail. Um, and I catch up with him, I guess, every three months whenever he's free. Um, and I was telling him, sort of telling him, so he's a mentor of mine, and I was telling him about my story and how I said, oh, it's not 100% sure what's next. Yeah, yeah. And he'd left KPMG maybe eight or more years ago. And I called up with him and I said, oh, this is the role that's open. Well, this is the team that's been built at KPMG. There's no roles available, but do you think I could talk to someone? Like, I don't want to just talk to a recruit. I want to talk to someone in there. Yeah. So he put me in touch with a guy called Paul Lowe, who, so Paul Lowe's our, he's now our national um, partner for um, government. So he's a, He's a pretty big dude in the government space. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this National guy. National partner, that's, that's <laughs> so decent, decent spot. So right. Arthur gives me his contact details. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to send him a message and he's not going to reply to me at all. Yeah. And then I sent him a message. day later, he's like, hey, man, love to catch up. Here's my PA's details. Let's lock in a time. No way. So I catch up with this guy called Paul Lowe over coffee and he was just, he was incredible. I, I've, never, I've never met a person who you can sit down with and within five minutes you just feel just, comfortable. Yeah, he... I just put it all on the plate for him and said, this is what I'm thinking. Unreal. And he said, oh, so I was thinking, do I move into management consulting in a more like major projects role where yeah. they do a lot more like business cases, but not much engineering? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I think you should join the engineering asset management team. And I was like, oh, okay. Sounds good. So I sent him my CV and he sent it to the partner in Brisbane for engineering asset management, a guy called Andrew O'Connor or Ocker. Um, and yeah, basically from there, they just said, oh, come in for an interview. So magic. met with the, so my current manager and an associate director. Um, they were awesome. The, my current manager, he's the chair of FutureNet at the moment. So yeah. we had a lot, lot in common considering I'm on Young Engineers yeah. and he's FutureNet. Very yeah. similar. We do similar events, Sam, yeah. similar goals. So Sam Dunning is his name. Yeah. And a guy called Matt Calhoun, who used to be a helicopter pilot and he was wow. for the army. He's awesome as well. Wow. So I thought, yeah, these guys are great. And they put, so they said, great. Then I went to the next step and met with um, Ocker, the partner in Brisbane, and Bernie, a partner in Canberra. Yeah. Um, and they basically, yeah, I just had a, had a chat with them. Yeah, um, what sort of questions did they ask you and stuff? Oh, it's hard to remember and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, but what was the gauge? And, and did they ask you much about, okay, you know, you're quite new yeah. and finishing your graduate role. Why do you want to make the move and stuff? Did they go along that route or did they just want to get to yeah. know you? Like, what, they what just it? want to know why you want to leave. Um, yeah. And they wanted to know about my experiences. So they just want to make sure that my experiences, whether it's infrastructure or whatever it is, aligns with the overall goals of where they're trying to drive the business. Um, and at the same time, um, they just want to know about your, yourself as well. They want to know what you do on the weekend, whether you're a cyclist, whether you're a runner, whether yeah. you do F45. It's, they just want to know about you and just make sure you culturally fit in the team. Yeah. Because ultimately, it's a consulting business they want to make sure that you get on with your other team members. Yeah, and work well together. Because you, you can't do anything on your own in yeah. this type of work. You ha- always have to work with someone else. Mm-hmm. So if you don't work with your team, then you're not going to go And too when far. it comes to crunch time, there's a project you close the business Friday, everyone's working late Thursday night. Exactly. If you don't like each other and you don't get along, it's going to make it really hard. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
so yeah, that, that all went well. Um, and then they offered me a position a few months, oh, about a month after. So um, I ended up accepting that position and yeah, talking to GHD and they said, no worries. Like I made, made the case that I, I really wanted to try this thing. Like it's always been something like the big four is something I think everyone sort of looks at and like, yeah. what the hell do they do? Yeah. And once, and that, that was something I was always interested in. So I thought, ah, oh, gee, I'm young, might as well just go for the leap and say, Give it a this is something I want to try. <clears throat> and my manager at GHD at the time was like, oh, well, <laughs> you've clearly made a decision. You, you really just want to try it. There's no point dying yeah. wondering. I 100% support it. Just um, stay with us for four weeks, close out anything you need to do. Yeah. So I did my four weeks and then, yeah, joined in May, mid-May, I believe. Mid-May of 2017? 2018. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wow, well, years gone quick. <laughs> I'm going all over the shop. Yeah, massive. Okay. And um, and how how were you able to maintain that good relationship and not burn the bridge with those guys at GHD? Yeah. I think it's a... I think, I think to say there's never a bridge that's burned... Um, that's not true. I think no matter where, if you ever move companies, there's always going to be at least one person you annoy. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. Like as much as you try to manage that not occurring and yeah. be respectful, be honest, something will always come up where you yeah. do offend someone. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was just honest through the process. I said, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't think GHD can offer me this. I made sure that the company, I just made sure that basically... I explored all avenues in GHD to make sure that what I was looking for wasn't available there. Yeah. Um, cause I'm a big believer in being loyal to a company when they've especially trained you through a grad program. Yeah. Um, but after realizing that it wasn't available there, yeah. Um, that's when I made a pretty clear, pretty decision. honest and said, this is what I'm yeah. thinking. This is how I'm feeling. Mm. I gave the case as to why they couldn't provide it for me and said, yeah, that's Let it. me be free. And I yeah. end up going and yeah. Cool. Um, we'll get onto the YEAQ things in a bit, but I just wanted to cover just quickly, um, next five minutes or so, um, what do you do at KPMG yeah. and how is that different to a normal, typical engineering firm? And, yeah. and you know, what are the pros and cons yeah. of maybe the GHD and then the pros and cons of your new work here yeah. at KPMG? So at KPMG, um, part of an engineering asset management team. So I guess... Part of my work is um, project management contract admin. So um, say you've got a project which the client needs someone to come in and find a designer, a head contractor to build it. We manage that whole process. So we we find the designer, we put the tender out, we review the tenders, um, we choose a designer, the client approves it, we give them the design, sorry, we give them the, ten, uh, the RFP, they uh, yeah, give RFP. the tender. We say, okay, this is a chosen designer. They go out and design it. And then once they've designed it, we get a head contractor in yeah. through the same process and then yeah. give a turnkey product at the end. So it would have been correct to say you're like the client's engineer. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you so work so, on the client side and yeah. you work for, in the interest of the client yeah. to make sure you have the best designer for yeah. the best price and the best contract for the best price yeah. to make sure that you know the little piece of the machinery or, or plant or infrastructure that the client wants that they yep. get exactly exactly yep. okay fantastic so that's one element um the other element is strategic asset management so you've got a client who may have a broad range of assets not 100 percent sure how to manage them to get the best life out of them yeah um, which we call asset sweating so we'll, we'll assist them to basically maybe develop a roadmap to help them get the longest life out of their assets tell them where to maintain them what to do with them whether they need more need less um 
again, that field is very, very broad, so it can change day-to-day project yeah. to project. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing we do is pretty much wherever the strategic direction of the group is going to take us. So yeah. we, I guess, we were built from an acquisition in September 2017. Yeah. Um, as we continue to grow, the scope of services we provide increases. Um, we'll never really, I don't think, well, I don't foresee personally that we'll ever go into the design engineering space. Um, yeah. But it will always be the owner's engineer style company. Yeah. Um, we'll do business case level work. We'll assist other groups within KPMG to provide engineering assistance. Yeah. Um, but a lot of clients... Cross-pollinate work. and cross-sell. Exactly. The, yeah. Because I think the engineering skill set is pretty valuable no matter what yeah. you're doing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we do at the moment. Um, but I think if you came and spoke to me in about two months, it would change. It'd be different again. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Which is the exciting awesome. part. You, you're almost like a... It does feel like you're a foundation member of this like Almost team. like a startup. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. really cool. A startup with uh, less risk. <laughs> yeah, you've got the backing <laughs> of, uh, you know, one of the big four. So, um, yeah. Um, all right, well, just just finish up then. Can we... Uh, I know Trang's in the room as well, and we're actually going to follow up with a second app with her um, really soon. But um, we're all... All three of us are part of uh, Young Engineers Australia Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, the, I suppose, the Young Professionals Committee um, that's housed within Engineers Australia. Um, can you talk to me about your current role in that, um, your future role, mm-hmm. and um, and sort of why you love, you know, why you love YEAQ and what it allows you to do, I suppose? Yeah. So at the moment, um, I'm the vice chair for events um, and I guess operations as well for Young Engineers in Queensland. Um, future role will probably be chair of Young Engineers in Queensland next year um, if all goes to plan. So I guess the reason I... I really do like YAQ is um, there's not many groups that represent young engineers. Like, yeah, there's a few, but there's not many that give a space where young engineers can network, where they can learn something, where they can find a place where we provide a forum for what your future career could look like. Um, So the thing I love is we are sort of like a, I guess, a link between young engineers and executives, young engineers and mentors, Mm. young engineers and project leaders. Mm. And we sort of show young engineers that there's there is people you can aspire to be and this is how you might want to do it Mm. um i also like how we're i guess we act as the voice of young engineers as well we everything we do every event we run is based on feedback we received in the past of gee it'd be great if someone ran an event like this exactly it'd be great if we can meet a mentor so yeah we set up all these programs for them um i think the benefit we well i guess the thing we have is we've got this Engineers Australia backing behind us. So we've got this huge amount of resources of event planners and just genuinely smart people. Connections and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Connections to companies and um, they help us to deliver what we want to do. So I think having a big organisation like them behind us really makes really anything we want to do we yeah are able to do. Yeah, cool. Awesome, awesome. And um, what, uh, you know, f- for junior engineers that are either undergraduates or graduates um, that have never done anything like this before, mm-hmm. um, what do you think they'll actually get out of it if they either come as an observer or as a member, um, you know, potentially for next year? Yeah, so I think if you come next year um, or even at our next meeting, you'll, you'll get the chance to meet some really driven people. So people that may inspire you, um, may give you ideas of things you actually want to do. Um, you'll be given the chance to basically plan your own event. I mean, who... Who knows how to do that? I, yeah. I did not have that skill at all before yeah. joining YAQ. 
um, it gives you a chance to improve your time saving abilities and uh, and also <clears throat> making sure that you're diligent in delivering items of work. Yeah. Um, Public speaking as well. I think exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think. I think the thing about YAQ is it's an extracurricular activity. So when you do an extracurricular activity, something's got to give. Whether you have to try fit more into your day than you already do. I yeah. think that's a huge, an absolute huge skill to learn. Otherwise, you'd be up till yeah. twelve midnight, one a.m. Yeah, every night. So, and I think as well, like I think we all sort of enjoy that. You know, I think we all love having quite a full plate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all quite busy individuals, motivated, driven individuals. So we like to have the challenge of. Uh, multitasking I suppose exactly exactly yeah. and it's, it's a place if you're looking for more it gives you more and it can be pretty much anything you yeah. want it to be awesome awesome well um, I think we'll wrap it up but I think uh, everyone everyone listening in, and also myself as well as a good friend of you Rob um, I'll definitely come and, and uh, you know drop back in with you maybe in, in three to six months time yeah. and, and see where this uh, KPMG journey has taken you sounds so, good but um, yeah thanks very much no thank you cheers man.